Aetheran Dark Saga is a dark fantasy audio drama. It contains themes of violence and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 1, Part 5 The sands of time cease to fall, and instead now rise up to their point of origin. An hourglass hovers before you, and as you reach for it, a mist begins to envelop you. You hold the hourglass in hand and in your thoughts you reach out, seeking an answer to a question that was yet to be spoken. A singular candle flame blooms into life amongst the thickening fog. Its steady flame your guide, a beacon to follow through the ever-encroaching darkness. The flame glows brighter as you approach, casting its light upon a vision. Millennia has passed since that time, but the events that transpired will shape the future of not only our protagonists, but the entire continent of Arn itself. Beneath the towering pale walls of Kalendor, nestled within an immense, primordial cavern, situated below the royal palace of the city, lies Vengard, the temple's stronghold of the Argent Order. At a near 1,000 years in the past, within this bastion's great hall, the Order's mightiest now stand united in performance of an ancient ritual. The Grand Master, Darnan Torvinson, the first to hold this title, leads his knights and mages in containing one of the greatest threats the Order will ever know. Stand together, brothers. If we loosen the bond, the signal will fail. We must remain vigilant. Hold him, Grandmaster. You will hold. The mosaic floor of the Great Hall is marred with blood. A sigil worked from the sanguine fluid of all present. Varlak, the holding spell of the Order, illuminates the Hall in its immense potency. Within its centre, a man 
once called Ardulus Caladan, floats above the ground. His entire body is engulfed from neck to toe in a soft blue glow. Almost mummified beneath the enchanted linkage known as Edegern's chain. The end of the chain is held by the Order's strongest, the four icons. Yeshella of Shadows, Syriac of War, Eldarin of Knowledge and Isa, Icon of Magics. Each maintains their grip. Eight others are also present, and they too hold fast the chain. Do you not recognize your own brother, Moen? Do not look upon him. How could you, Argelus? Alina, the girls, your daughters. Free me, brother. They seek to imprison me. Do not listen to him. It is not your brother, Bowen. Your arrogance will be your undoing. Your order is blind to all but your narrow view. The power I have been granted from the Eternal. Cease your words, beast. Nezraka will not save you from this. Release me, brother. Embrace the power. Do not deny the power. I know you feel the power rising within me. You murdered your wife and my nieces. You are a monster. I pray Galador has forgiveness for you, Argelus. For I cannot... Your weakling god has no power. There is a sudden wave of energy. It ripples out from Argelus, down each of the chains, shaking them violently as it does so. His head swings back, hiding his gaunt features from all below as black bile sprays from Argelus's mouth and nostrils. He coughs the liquid out onto his chin and cheeks as a gargled laugh rattles out of his open mouth. A jerking motion brings his head forward to face Bowen. Dark red fluid flows freely down from his closed eyelids. His jaw twists out to the side as if broken by an unseen force. It then hangs loosely as yet more of the bile flows forth. The scent of burning flesh creeps into the nostrils of all present as the eyelids spring open and a demonic yellow light shines from within. Your god is weak. What have you done to my brother? Why the girls? Through power demands sacrifice. Their flesh was the sweetest of fruit. <laughs> master, it must be soon. His strength is gathering rapidly. So be it, Eldarin. Let this be done with. Yusala, bring forth the blade. Handing her chain over to the waiting Grandmaster, Yashella, the Icon of Shadows, steps forth. Her movements graceful and cat-like as she unleashes her arming sword. The blade's edge seemed to be aflame, as if forged from fire itself. She stepped forward and taking the weapon in both hands, proceeds to bring the razor-like edge across each of the chains, severing the links with a bursting pop of energy. As the final bond was struck asunder, the encased body of Argelus went limp and fell to the ground. A metallic thump 
splintering tiles as he landed. Is it over? Is it the Aegis over? will require some time before it can take hold, Grandmaster. We must all remain in a state of constant focus. Should we make a mistake now, none of us will live to regret it. Gather the men and bring the cage up from the <laughs> bounded through the drifts with ease, snapping blackened tree limbs in his passing. The endless ocean of snow had begun to fade out. Here, patches of soil, gravel, as well as low-lying grasses were prevalent. The tundra of the most northern reaches of Kalandor now lay before him. Near millennia had passed since his interring beneath the Black Fells and all the while he had planned and schemed and wished for vengeance. Yet the mortals who had imprisoned him would be gone now. Their meagre lives played out in the centuries past. Yet now, he had a perfect target for their replacement. The knight he had contended with back in the chamber. He was strong for a mortal, and that blade of his was deadly. Astaroth clutched his stump as it throbbed, it was regenerating, but slowly, far too slowly for his liking. I need to feast. I should have tried to eat this more. No matter how bounty of flesh awaits in this world. Emboldened by the fact he had not seen any form of life for nearly two days, he walked openly in full sight. Any creature, man or beast, who would dare to come close would be revealed by their scent upon the wind long before they set eyes upon him. Not that he cared to hide his presence. He was Astaroth, Duke of the Bloodlands and bringer of carnage, an archdemon of incredible strength. No mere mortal could do him harm at the heights of his power, but he was not at the heights of his power. He was not strong enough, not yet. He would have to feed, and the scraps of flesh he'd gathered thus far were not enough. Although he had been a prisoner when first brought here, and had seen very little of the land before him, what he had witnessed had not changed much. He recognised the valley that sloped unevenly into the clouds at both sides its patches of snow and ice scarce amongst the rocks and scattered grasses. Flickers of memories that were not his own came to the fore, and rather than hold the thoughts at bay, he allowed them to play out, seeking amusement from them. Astaroth smirked in the recollection 
he saw human hands gripping around sleeping throats, choking and strangling. His vessel was replaying his foul deeds, and the archdemon was reveling in it. Suddenly another's past blended with this one, a cage, a cage surrounded him, human steel constricting him with their magics, that damned Aegis, as well as the one who maintained it. This was his first vessel's memories, Argelus, yes, that was his name, a life long forgotten. Watch this. Yes, I recall this place. The roots. The rocks. An outpost. Yes. Moving with a sudden vigour, at the realisation he had not come this way by mere chance, he stalked away from the path, favouring a much lesser used one. It sloped upwards and around, skirting the edge of a rock face. The rock face led on to a secluded trail, ending at yet more huge stones. Yet these stones seemed out of place, seemed unnatural to this area, appearing an almost entirely different hue under his demonic scrutiny. The stones were huge, leaning in towards one another, forming a curtain wall and blocking all view of what lay beyond. Slowly, Slowly he ascended, gripping the rock face with his talon-like hand and steadying himself with his stump. He stopped upon hearing the voices of mortals nearby. He tried to count their numbers as well as gauge their scent upon the wind. He could not be certain, but there would be adequate dining here. Enough to gather a portion of his abilities and reach out to his brother Valmaris. As he reached the summit, what lay beyond now fell into view. The land inside fell away into a ball shape much further down than he had anticipated. A fort adorned in familiar flags and banners held centre stage. Two lesser timber buildings attached by walkways flanked either side of this building. A path leading off to another construction, filled with the scent of the four-legged beasts he had devoured in the ocean of snow. He watched as the men patrolled the compound, with thoughts of devouring their flesh exciting him to the point of madness. Soon he fought. Soon. Ah, so this is how those two arrived. With such haste. And for the good it did them. The fools will be expecting their return, no doubt. A pity I cannot return their corpses. <laughs> his undamaged eye drawn down to the doorway of the central building, its stone walls trimmed with moss. A spark of recognition turned to flames within his mind. No, not his mind, but his former vessel, Argelus. There was another here, one like him, but lesser. So it begins here. His descent was slow, but it needed to be that way to remain silent. As strong as he was, he might find his doom here should he alert the entire garrison. Upon reaching the bottom, tall grass hid him from view as he closed in like a serpent in the reeds. He stared up as the fools in purple tabards and tunics 
made their repetitive patrols. He could only see a few of them, leaving him to wonder if there was more inside. He could be patient. He could hide amongst the shadows until nightfall, though he had no concept of when that would arrive. But under the shadow of night, he could slay them all and gorge himself upon their flesh and marrow. Or, true to his nature, he could bring down his wrath and unleash the carnage and brutality he was named for. There was no doubt in his twisted mind which idea would win out. Keeping out of sight, he ascended the wall, remaining on the blind side of the nearest guard. The walkway between the buildings beside him, as he clung to the wall like a skinless lizard. As the guard passed by, he lunged. archdemon slowly made his way down. The guard's limp body held fast in his maw, the weight resting upon his stunted forearm. Laying his prey down upon the grass, his presence hidden beneath the shadows of the building, he began to feast. He gorged himself like a starving wolf, tearing open flesh and discarding the organs in a pile which steamed in the open air. Finding his true target, he tore loose bone from muscle. With powerful clawed hands, he cracked open the femur, revealing the marrow within. From his gaping mouth of jagged tusk-like teeth came an immensely elongated tongue, as blue as the bruises upon a corpse, slick with saliva and rippling with nodules. With gross enthusiasm, he lapped up the jelly, cleaning the bone before tearing out another. Aiming to tear out the heart of his victim, Asaroth stopped suddenly. He felt it. His damaged socket was re-knitting, growing an eye within the wound. Only this was not some weak human orb. Instead, it formed a serpent-like optic. This... This would serve for far greater vision. His wounded limb also began to regenerate. The damaged area began to drip with black fluid, the bone slowly growing out from the opening, forming into a base for his claws. And then, then it stopped. He would need more flesh. Oi, fairies! Have you seen Gregor? He's not on patrol. He's likely gone for a piece again. I swear by Galador, I'll have his hide when Amberdar gets back. He can't keep wandering off when he's on guard. Keep your mouth shut, Smythe. Nobody likes a telltale. Why should we cover for him all the time? He's a lazy shit. He can cover for you next time! Astaroth observed the guard. He had been so caught up in his frenzy that he had almost forgotten about the others. Watching as the man continued on, he suddenly bound upwards, pushing off from the wall and landing atop the soldier who crumpled under his weight. 
The thin arm-like appendages burst out from Astaroth's back, pinning the man down like daggers through clothing. He lunged forward, sinking his jagged teeth into the back of the guard's neck, biting through the spine as he did so. muscle reworked along his skeletal arm, and thick, sharp talons tore through the renewed flesh. His killing weapons were whole again. Standing up from the walkway, flesh and gore still clinging from his mouth, Astaroth watched as the group of armed soldiers poured out into the drill yard below. had come to face him, none but the patrolling guards fully dressed for battle. Not that any of that would matter now. Come, my little ones. Let us see what pleasures await inside of your bodies. The archdemon roared, both sets of arms out wide as he did so. And then, without pause, he leapt down. Rowan. Adrenaline coursed through him. His palms were sweating, and his leg twitched with a nervous energy. Upon noticing it, he tightened his grip on his sword and buckler. Rowan had seen battle before, even spent time at war when the men of Gilglas would serve for Arteria, fighting against their hated enemies in Ballora. But this was something different. This was not a skirmish against raiders, a battle against men invading their lands in the north. No, this was necromancy, and dark magic above all else terrified Rowan. His ancestor Anirian had dabbled in the dark arts, and that had led to his doom, and now so too his brother Baldwin. The Atlapa family blood was cursed by a lust for such power, he was sure of it. Rowan wanted no part in magic, and yet he felt its pull. Something deep within him. A curiosity. Something that urged him to seek it out. And that terrified him all the more. You still haven't seen your sword, Rowan. <laughs> I hadn't even noticed. Well, you'll need to put it away to have any hopes of outrunning those creatures. They are a lot faster than Gazilan is a master of the necromantic arts. I am sure that these will not be your standard goals. Oh, oh, since you put it that way, if it was just run-of-the-mill ghouls, I'd have been more than happy to help out. Why then not? I'm not going to just let you fight alone out there. You can see how many there are. Just run. Run with me. We can make it back to Calendor together. I will go first and distract them. You can make your escape. It shouldn't be hard. It's me. 
me get this straight. You just want me to run away and leave you to die. Rowan stared blankly, weighing up his options as Amvadar was stripping down. Removing his steel pauldrons and gambeson, as well as a sword belt, handing the blade and its scabbard to Rowan. He saw it now, his huge back and arms rippling with corded muscle, as well as a fair share of scars. This man, this knight, Anvadar, was a fearsome warrior, and he had not seen it in his blind rage over Aldwin. He gave a silent thanks to Lenarin that Anvadar had been too exhausted to fight. Anvadar removed a small item from a leather pouch that was sewn into his trues. He grabbed Rowan's hand and placed that something into his palm. The man of Gilglas felt like a child holding the hand of a giant. I... I do not expect to survive this battle. I know you have no reason to trust me, or any reason to help me, but I have a great can I entrust you with a task? You'd do better coming with me, Amadar. Besides, I don't think I'll make it out of here on my own. Of course you will, Rowan. All you need to do is run and do not look back. It is imperative that you make it out of here alive. The message I will relate to you now is of the utmost importance. Do I have you? He met eyes with Anvadar, and saw that those steel grey orbs of his were filled with a mournful sorrow, a pain that Rowan somehow felt within himself. In his heart, Rowan held trust for this man, though he could not say why or how, he was sure that Anvadar was a good man, and that at the very least, he deserved to help him. This is my eyeglass, I need you to take it to the outpost, south of the Black Flames. It's off the beaten path and hidden amongst them. No. Take it to Gallagher. Take it to the palace guards and tell the guards that Anvadar, the icon of war, the ardent order, sent you. That you must relay this message to the Grand Master. Rowan opened his hand, revealing a smoothed black stone, engraved in the center was a golden runic image, one that he did not recognize. The stone itself felt much lighter than it appeared, and also warm to his touch. Tell him... Tell him that Elias is dead, and that he died, fighting, doing the order proud. Tell him that I failed in my duty, and that the prison tomb here held the archdeacon named Astaroth. Tell him that he is seeking out the lodestone of Anirian, and the reason is that your brother is his vessel is because of your bloodline. Do not forget to tell him that. Tell him that the walls are broken to the tomb, and that Catherine may be responsible. Tell him that beg his forgiveness for you. The light from the sigil died out.
did not move as Amvadar dashed past him. He paused and watched this mountain of a man charging forth with his sword alive in his hands as the ghouls descended upon him. The man of Gilglas felt guilt, but he had given his word. He bolted, sprinting as fast as he could out of the cave and into the fells, his movement slowed only by the deep snow as he raced on, galloping through it, fighting off its hindrance. In the distance he could see the horses. They were far enough away to make his heart sink at the effort required to reach them, but the fact he could see them at all gave him hope. He looked back one final time and wished that he hadn't. Twelve or so hideous forms now encircled Amvadar, their grotesque bodies moving with an unnatural gait. They stalked on all fours, unsteady upon hands and feet. A few of them pounced from the cave above, screeching as they came as the rest closed in. You could hear the sickening hisses and slurred growls from whatever they were. Amvidar boomed his defiance in the form of his god's name, lashing out with a heavy two-handed strike, slicing open one of the creature's skulls, though it did little to stop it. The rest began to follow suit, and so, terrified, Rowan sprinted off into the snow, leaving the awful scene behind him. Anvidar. The knight and icon of the Argent Order swung his blade with deadly precision, his arming sword cleaving in two the skull of his first attacker, though the beast still came on. He parried its retaliation and deftly sidestepped into a better position as a second beast joined the fray. He charged and booted the newcomer in the ribs, flipping the creature onto its back. As he did so, he brought his sword arcing overhead to finish off his initial attacker. He spoke the battle. The litanies of Galador, punctuating the frosty air with his misted speech. His blade sank with him. Breaker hummed as it slashed at the reaching limbs and gnashing broken teeth. Word as it span in defensive arcs, keeping the four at bay. He danced away as the next four encircled him, keeping Breaker's keen edge between him and their clawed-like hands. His feet moving in unison as he parried a strike away from his exposed abdomen, sending the hand sailing off to disappear amongst the snowdrifts. Another came for him, this time a second following behind, with an arcing upswing as he travelled forward, Breaker's edge cut through bone like butter. Yet the second that followed grabbed onto his arm, its decomposing body still heavy enough to hinder his sword arm. He felt its grotesque nails dig into his flesh as he punched hard into its rotten visage, over and over and over until finally it released. But it was too late. The others had closed the gap, and it seemed like more were coming. Anvidar could hear Kazalan's voice upon the wind, mocking him with its laughter. How the mighty have fallen! 
It is a shame I could not have done this in person. You have ever been a thorn in my side, I can avoid. I will settle to watch you suffer before the end. He took his eyes off the fight for the briefest of moments, catching sight of Rowan making his escape, bounding through the snow. Amvadar sighed in relief. Not one of the foul creatures had followed the young man from Gilglas. Gazelan spoke from within the animated corpse. The creature's foul breath stunk of decay. Amvadar's spare hand fended off its rotten teeth as the others scrambled to pin him down. Lashing out of a headbutt, and then instantly regretting it, as the pain from his previous wound made it feel like a hammer blow to the face. Yet the action gave him the reprieve he needed. Breaker stabbed up from underneath, nearly piercing his own face in the process. The ghoul fell limp, but the others were upon him. He scrambled and struggled as they dug their teeth and nails into his flesh. A sudden calm washed over him, and he saw her face flash before his eyes. She floated above him in the pale snow-filled sky, the dying light of the sun shining through her. The image of Yima reaching out a hand for his. She offered the release he sought. No more pain. No more hurting. No more longing. She would be at his side once more. Tears streamed from his eyes as he chose to give up. His momentary serenity was shattered, broken by the sound of his heartbeat. He could hear it pounding in his chest, pounding in his ears, getting louder, louder and louder. And then the world became brighter. He felt the air surge back into his lungs as a shadow passed over him darkening the skies for the briefest of moments, only to have the light return, the heavens appearing brighter than ever before, the weight upon him gone, the darkness that engulfed him gone, and the image of Yuma along with it. The whinny of a horse and the sound of its sputter as the reins pulled back hard, causing the mount to slide in the snow, slipping over, throwing off its rider. It was Rowan. He had charged headlong into the ghouls, the ground shaking as hooves thundered into it, shattering the foul undead as he crashed into them, leaping over the fallen Amvadar and toppling in a pile only yards away. The mount's legs were broken, and the animal whined in agony as it struggled to rise. But neither man paid its attention. Rowan clambered up to his feet as quickly as he could. 
Get up in the dark. The icon of war rolled onto his side and wrenched loose Brekker, unleashing it from the chest cavity of its last victim. Three ghouls remained, and he had them at a disadvantage. Their limbs, like the horse, were broken, shattered. One had been trampled entirely, its broken body mangled beyond all recognition, just the foul magics that animated the corpse, keeping it from the peace of the grave. The other two broken legs and arms. The icon of war strode forth, stabbing down hard, one in the neck, and with a skip over another, hacked down in a diagonal strike, slicing through the face and severing the jawbone in half of another, collapsing to his knees in pure exhaustion. Amvadar spat foamy spittle from his dehydrated mouth. He lurched forward his right arm, holding Breaker's hilt, using the weapon as a prop, swaying with fatigue. Rowan, now back on his feet, did his best to try and calm the horse, but it thrashed violently on its broken limb. The young man of Gilglass took out his sword, slashing at the beast's neck. He missed in his first attempt, but succeeded in the second, dodging a flailing left hoof in the process. The horse's eyes went wide as it struggled, hot blood slushing forth into the snow. Amvadar watched as Rowan stepped back from the horse, kneeling down and patting its neck in what seemed like a comforting gesture for the animal in its final moments. Hold on! I'm coming! Amvadar! Hold on! Amvadar coughed lazily on the cold air. His energy was spent and he could feel the dark veil of sleep invading at the edges of his eyes. Giving up the fight to stay awake, he fell forward. Amvadar lazily coughed into the cold air. His energy was spent, and he could feel the dark veil of sleep invading at the edges of his eyes. Giving up the fight to stay awake, he fell forward, face first into the snow and into comforting embrace of unconsciousness. That was chapter one, part five of Aver and Dark Saga. If you're enjoying the show so far, please leave a review where you can. Drop a recommendation to a friend or on social media. There is, as of now, a tea public store. If you fancy getting your hands on a sweet Averin t-shirt or hoodie, phone case, stickers, coffee cup, whatever you want, it's there. The link will be in the show notes. If you want to have a chat with me, or fellow listeners of the show, as well as listeners of other shows and just podcast fans in general, there is a Discord channel which has been set up by Zach Ald of Cast Junkie, and the link for that will be in the show notes. All music was by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Please support Kevin via his Patreon. The link is in the show notes. 
Some sound effects were taken from freesound.org, a great library of Foley. Thanks for listening.